This episode of All My Friends Are In Bar Bands was recorded on the land of the Awabakul people. We pay our respects to elders past and present, and we acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded. This always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Enjoy the episode. Friends, it's a special Monday edition of All My Friends Are In Bar Bands. David James Young with you as always, your host. Wowee, here we are. End of year four for All My Friends Are In Bar Bands. The last episode of 2019, the last episode of the decade. I couldn't let the moment pass uh, without getting one last episode in for the year. I've got so much coming for you in January and February. Some absolutely awesome acts from around the traps here and also a few killer internationals in there as well. But right now, we're going to send the year out with one of my favorite bands and I have no doubt one of yours as well. Today, the guests on the podcast are La Dispute. La Dispute, a phenomenal Uh, emotive post-hardcore bands coming out of Grand Rapids, Michigan. They have been to Australia countless times at this point over the last 10 years. I have seen them every time that they have been to Australia, uh, totaling 13 times all up across various tours and multiple nights, etc. I saw them three times on their most recent tour of Australia back in September with uh, friends of the show, Sports Bra which was an amazing tour. I saw the show at the Metro in Sydney, at Dicey Riley's in my hometown of Wollongong, and at the Cambridge Hotel in Newcastle. Now, it is that show in particular where we come to you from. Uh, So this was recorded uh, before Doors at the uh, Cambridge Hotel in Newcastle. I had a chat with Jordan Dreyer, the band's lead vocalist, and also with Jordan's cousin and the band's drummer, Brad Vanderlook. Now, these two are the uh, founding members of La Dispute. Uh, They have been through every inception and lineup of the band since it started back in 2004. And so I wanted to have both of them on to go through everything that the band has been through from uh, their initial run of DIY touring, uh, getting international exposure through to the uh, unexpected uh, critical acclaim and success of albums like Rooms of the House and their most recent album, Panorama. We only had about half an hour to get through everything, but I think we did a pretty good job, all things considered. This was a really cool one. Uh, Large Dispute have been dream guests of the show pretty much since I expanded the format. And yeah, it was really, really special to have them on and uh, for them to be so responsive and thoughtful and receptive uh, to the whole idea. And yeah, it was it was really, really cool. So want to give a massive thank you to Jordan and Brad from La Dispute for getting involved and coming on the podcast. Also want to give a huge thank you to Kat Clark and the entire team at Cooking Vinyl Australia. So, so, so much love for you. Really appreciate all the help uh, in getting this one together and for getting me along to a bunch of shows on the tour. 
Really appreciate it. Uh, also, a big thank you to Mords, Mark Borden, uh, the uh, tour manager for the La Disc Tour. Uh, one of the best, hardest working dudes in the Australian music industry. Got nothing but love for that guy. So, yeah, everyone involved, uh, really, really appreciate your help and your support on this one. Unreal. Now, for one last time for 2019, for the 2010s, this podcast, I can't do it on my own. I really, really can't. I have tried, and it is much harder than it looks. This podcast is made possible with the help of people just like yourself. Yes, you, listening on the train or the tram or wherever you... Or in the truck, wherever you may be listening to this. Wherever you are, if you are listening to this podcast and you like this podcast, there are a couple of things that you can do that would help me so, so, so much in getting this podcast out to the right people. Go ahead and leave a review over on Apple Podcasts. Five stars, please. Don't forget as well to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. We're on Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, every podcast form imaginable. So please hit us up there. If you have any friends that are interested in bands that we have on the show, maybe you have some friends that are La Dispute fans and you'd like them to check out this podcast, please send them our way. Talk to your friends. Talk talk this podcast up. We we need all the help we can get. Uh, as I'm sure you know, this podcast doesn't have any social media platforms anymore because I just got frustrated with the mountains upon mountains of paywalls and the uh, absolute complete lack of respect given to independent content on those platforms. So, the only way to get the word out for this podcast is by you subscribing and sharing it with people that you think will be interested. And of course, if you have a little bit of change lying around and you want to help me out, you can do so by supporting me, David James Young, on Patreon. Outside of this podcast, I also host Hottest 100s and Thousands, which is a Hottest 100 podcast. I'm also a freelance music journalist. I am also a musician. I play in a band called Nothing Rhymes with David. I have a bunch of stuff going on and you will have access to all of that if you support me on Patreon. For as little as $1 a month, you'll gain access to bonus content, exclusive streams, exclusive playlists, and a bunch of bonus content in between. So if any of that is at all of interest, then why not come and step into my office over at patreon.com slash David James Young. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash David James Young. Now, in the meantime, if you want to get in touch, you can do so by emailing me at barbandspod at gmail.com, B-A-R-B-A-N-D-S-P-O-D. If you are interested in pitching a guest or getting some sort of sponsorship going, if you have anything in particular you would like to get to me in terms of feedback, positive, negative, anything in between, I am all ears. Barbands, as always, is open for business (laughs) right into 2020, so... Please uh, drop me a line, barbandspod at gmail.com. I would absolutely love to hear from you. All right, my friends, have a very wonderful and fucking safe new year. Look after one another. Everybody love everybody. This is the last episode of 2019. This is La Dispute. I'm David James Young, and all my friends are in barbands.
Hi everyone, I'm Debbie Chimchong and all my friends are in bar bands. Today I would like to introduce you to my friends La Dispute. Hello. Hi. Please introduce yourselves. Uh, my name is Jordan. My name is Brad. It is Thursday evening. We are at the Cambridge Hotel in Newcastle and La Dispute are coming to the end of, I think, the biggest tour that you guys have done here? Mm-hmm. We, how big was the first one? Because the first one was relatively Com- big. Comparably date. sized, I feel yeah. like. I feel like the first like couple tours we did were maybe? probably yeah. Yeah. roughly a little bit longer. Yeah, so this is 15 shows. Mm-hmm. How do you handle those kind of runs where it's all just in quick vicinity of one another? Like, I can imagine it'd be somewhat easier, like, closer to home, but, like, factoring in being on the other side of the world and everything like that, I can imagine it would take its toll. It's... Honestly, probably easier here than it is anywhere because we're doing multiple shows in every city. So yeah. typically we have like a, a home base, so travel's not so painful. When you're touring yeah. in the States, you're pretty much on the go constantly. Because yeah. yeah, rarely do you ever play shows, more than one show in the same general region. So yeah. we're pretty used to like doing a month or more where we have just a handful of off days. So. Yeah. It's been yeah, pretty it's manageable. It's been I super think. fun. Yeah. Soldier has been really fun. The tour wraps up in your adopted hometown, does it mm-hmm. not? <laughs> so you pretty yeah. much just have to walk on and you'll be sweet. Yeah, it's gonna be great. <laughs> it's gonna be really nice. Oh, it's gonna, it's nice for him too because oh, yeah. the tables turning. Because yeah. typically it's it's he's the one who's got to travel halfway yeah, across yeah. the world. Yeah. yeah, and the rest of us. Like the last tour we did in the states ended in my adopted hometown. Yeah. So I just got to like hop in the car and drive five minutes home and Brad yeah. had to fly 36 yeah, usually hours back I'll, to the Sunshine Coast. I'll see posts from the guys and they're like at home doing stuff and I'm it'll still be like fuck I still have 24 hours of travel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This time though. Yeah. This, this time. time. <laughs> the it's sweetest good. sweetest yeah. revenge. Drive home with your wife. No. It's awesome. My wife. <laughs> <laughs> Let's let's throw it back. Ten years ago, I see La Dispute for the first time in a rehearsal room in North Wollongong. Oh. It is you, it is, I believe it's Epitomies and Mary Jane Kelly, and it's the wonderful, wonderful to the North, mm-hmm. who obviously were responsible for the whole thing. Day two, we are in an abandoned house in Huskisson, New South <laughs> Wales. Yeah. You guys play first because we think the cops are going to come. So you open your own show, which is endearing. Uh, It ends with us trashing the place, which is how any good house show should end. What do you remember about that particular era? Because like that's that would have been the furthest you guys had been from you know touring at home at that time. Like, that was a huge, huge gamble to, you oh, know, yeah. kind of respond to an email and just be like, oh, yeah, sure, why not? Respond to a MySpace message. Yeah, MySpace mm-hmm. message. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's crazy to think back on that. I don't know that it seemed that outlandish at the time because we were tw- in our early 20s yeah. and young and naive and uh, reckless and irresponsible. So we just kind of mm. went for it because it was an opportunity to play shows on the other side of the world and yeah. in Australia and to travel so a certain degree of of naivety yeah played into it now mm-hmm. when we look back on it it's like holy shit we really did that and yeah. like the <laughs> the places we played the shows we played like going on yeah going to the other side of the world and playing essally anywhere with a PA yeah. or yeah. really a, a, or, or anywhere a with a generator yeah. <laughs> in the case of the abandoned house in Huskisson so I don't know. It's crazy to look back on it. It's yeah. still, some of, still one of our 
I would say probably collectively our favorite tour. We look back very fondly on that time. Yeah, no doubt. It was super exciting. For sure. I've seen you guys every time uh, you've been to Australia since. That's crazy. This is my 13th time seeing you guys. That's crazy. That's awesome. (laughs) Uh, Lucky number 13, so anything can happen. Anything. (laughs) (laughs) Right, who's the eldest out of the two of you? Mm. Alright, well, we'll start with you then, sir. Uh, I begin this by tracing back the initial interest in music, specifically where it changed from being something that you were maybe watching on TV, listening to on the radio, etc., to being something where I was like, this is what I want to do, I want to play instruments, I want to be in a band, that sort of thing. Can you tell me how music kind of factored into your childhood and your upbringing, mm. and indeed if there was kind of a, a switch-on moment for you? I definitely, from a very young age, was telling my parents I wanted to be a musician. Mm-hmm. But even more than like just a musician, I was like, this is going to be my job. I would tell my dad that all the time. Luckily, Jordan and I's parents were very, and still are, very supportive. So my dad was never like, no, that's never going to work out. Don't be silly. He was just like, yeah, that's what you want to do. Awesome. He bought me a drum kit for my 16th birthday. Started getting me lessons. My parents had an old upright piano at their house. And I taught myself to play when I was like eight or nine. And I don't know. So it's always kind of been there. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know if there was a moment, like a specific moment I can think of. Yeah, I feel like as long as I can remember, you were interested yeah, I, in Yeah, I was music. definitely yeah. always interested. Did Brad get you into, into music, Jordan? Did Brad get me into music? No. Nah, Brad and I kind of grew up... Uh, so Brad and I are cousins. Yeah. And Brad's a couple years older than I am. Brad was always uh, interested in music, and I remember that. I remember you being very driven to learn and playing often and mm-hmm. I was I think more how do I describe my interest in music I wasn't I never I never had the drive and amb- ambition to learn an instrument that Brad right. had yeah, but music yeah, yeah. was always part of my life kind of on a cultural contextual yeah, we were different level. schools of music yeah Just, so Brad yeah. was like very interested in the uh, the technicality of it and I was more interested in I think the culture of the yeah. music that I was listening to yeah. and Jordan actually turned me on to a lot of music that would be a common thread at the time for him and I but also yeah. like I think other people in the band too like uh, one of the first records that Jordan like made me listen to was Relationship of Command and I was yeah. just like this is fucking awesome. It's like it was so different to everything I was listening to. Yeah. Um, sorry, I stole the. No, no. I mean, it's, it's kind of interesting how they our lives and music run parallel to each other in that respect. Because we weren't the closest in age to each other of our cousins, yeah, of right. our family members. But Brad and I always had a shared interest in music, and that's kind of always been yeah. the thing that united us. And we worked together for yeah. a long time yeah, yeah our parents the hardware store that our parents owned together so we spent a lot of time a lot of the i mean the vast majority of the conversations we probably had were in some ways focused on the music we were mm-hmm. listening to yeah. and sharing things and listening to the radio and yeah 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 and you grew up in the same neighborhood area like thereabouts or yeah ish we both grew up in I grew up in Grand Rapids, in the city of Grand Rapids in Michigan, and Brad grew up a little bit outside of town. Mm-hmm. But the place we worked was... In the city. In the city. And we were both working full-time, pretty much. Yeah, right. And then living together. Yeah, yeah rehearsing we, together. We so we were together pretty much... Right always. after I graduated high yeah. school. Crazy. 
For someone who hasn't been to Grand Rapids, how would you do? How would you describe it to someone? Mm. Grand Rapids is the second small biggest big city. city. Yeah, it's kind of a small big city. city. It's the second biggest city in the state of Michigan. So Detroit so is Detroit's number one. Yeah. the major metropolitan area, and Grand Rapids is the major metropolitan area on the opposite side of the state. Right. So Detroit is, that, is on is the east side of the state. Is there much of a music community there? Like, oh yeah, there's yeah. a great music community, and there always has yeah. been. We've been very fortunate for that. There's a, a, a strong network in the city of Grand Rapids. We had two really cool venues that we sort of orbited in our early years right on the same stretch of road in downtown Grand Rapids mm-hmm. a place called the Division Avenue Arts Cooperative which is like a little hole in the wall communally run art space and then this place called Skeletones which was a bit bigger and was a music venue so mm-hmm. we like uh, we had two places where we were like really good for incubation I guess yeah, but yeah. like it's a really artistic city, and yeah. uh, it's just, it's just, people are very passionate about the city itself and about totally. contributing to it. And there's sort of a, I think, like a, like a little bit of a little brother complex in Grand Rapids because of its proximity to Detroit and okay. to Chicago. Where how, like, how close? Like, I mean, it's close for the Midwest. Yeah. Detroit's, <laughs> Detroit's like a couple of hours. Detroit's like yeah. two hours. Yeah. Chicago's like three, 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 three and change. Right. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. There's like I think there's a, there's like a a, a a pridefulness in the city of Grand Rapids that mm. really serves it well yeah. because people really push to put it on the map when you grow up having to travel from one you know like for us it was when we were growing up in Grand Rapids if you wanted to go see a band nine times out of ten you had to drive yeah. to the metro in Chicago or to the Magic Stick yeah. in Detroit and yeah. then the older we got the more the city itself had grown and the more yeah, bands would come lot, through yeah. Grand Rapids. So, and bands so now yeah. like bands t- tours pretty consistently stop in Grand Rapids. Yeah, yeah sweet. So nice. Mm. Okay, what can you tell me about the bands and the music that the two of you were doing before Lattice Beat? Did you have any bands before Lattice Beat you? Not really. Nothing super serious. I played in like a cover rock band for a very short time. When I was still at university, mm-hmm. and Jordan played in a band with some friends for a, and his brother for. A we played like very two shows, brief one show, time. two shows. But it, <laughs> no, we were never in like no. more serious bands before this. And we started a lot of speed when I was in high school. Goodness me! So yeah, when I and was where at, was the first show? First show we played was. Skeletons upstairs. No, it was the DAC. Was it? We played two shows in the same week. We played Skeleton. We played the DAC first. Oh. At in April of 2004. Wow. I want to say it's so crazy. And then I think we played Skeletons like three days. Later. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. How How old were you? 2004. I was 17. Yeah, 17. Sweet summer child. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Oh, oh, goodness me. What What do you remember about those like very early days of the band? Like, is there, can you kind of see the through line from like the band standing out to what the first album sounded like? Like, was it drastically different? Or was it kind of one of those things where you can kind of see the seeds planted really early on of what the band is going to sound like? Oh, man. <laughs> I think it, it just... When we first started, there was never any ambitions beyond 
just hanging out and writing music. Seriously, yeah. it, it was like nothing outside of that. So there was, I don't think there was a lot of thought put into it back then. Not like there is now, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think it's just been like a gradual process. Yeah. Like, sure. I can't even, it's not like there's a straight arrow through it at all. It's sort of. Especially from like the very early, cause it wasn't, it was just, it wasn't even the same band, really. No, that's no, it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It it's just, it's just guys have, yeah, been the consistent yeah, through the whole thing. So like yeah. the very early days, I mean, when we talk about like how long we've been a band, typically we omit the first few years in a way like there's the beginning when we yeah. first started making music together but then there's like when we started like yeah like actively pursuing it, it yeah, as yeah, yeah. I don't want to say as a career because I don't think we ever had career ambitions no. but just as something that we could travel and meet people yeah and, you know like as a as a serious passionate hobby I guess yeah well on that note where where did you go on the first La Dispute tour like how far along had you guys been playing before you kind of started like playing outside of yeah. Grand Rapids and your immediate home and stuff like that? We did a lot of weekends. Played just about everywhere in the state of Michigan. That yeah. Possibly play. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we, we'd like work during the week and then have a show Friday night, a Saturday night, Sunday night. So that was like touring sort of when we started and our first really big proper tour we booked ourselves and it was like six weeks straight. Um, wow. And that was all the way out west and back. So, huge. Yeah, absolutely. Just all on MySpace and yeah. BYOFL <laughs> and that Do DIY USA website. God damn. Yeah. <laughs> mostly it was Brad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was mostly me. I don't yeah. know how we pulled it off. A lot of emails. <laughs> A lot of emails. <laughs> I can imagine that basements. (laughs) A lot of basements. God damn. I can imagine that DIY mentality is like obviously that's something that's kind of filtered through more or less everything you guys have done. Is that just kind of always just been the the ethos of the band where it's just like, well no one's gonna do this for us. No one else is gonna log under MySpace. Yeah, I think that when you you grow up when you grow up that way, when when you're from the Midwest and that was like the first niche we really felt comfortable in and mm-hmm. felt accepted it was just uh, you know, not relying on external structures to to support you and, yeah. and really pushing for yourself and we met a lot of really good friends and I think it really like you learn how powerful community can be when people collectively push toward building it so I mean obviously we're not strictly a DIY band anymore we have yeah. people who help the machine keep rolling I guess but, mm-hmm. but we've always made certain to be careful about who we choose to, to work with and, yeah, and yeah, to, to do our own thing in any situation that it's possible so yeah I think our ideologies have remained intact yeah. it's more just we've been smarter about letting other people help yeah. Like me booking a six week tour is absolutely insane to think about. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> but, but you, you know, did it. You can yeah, put it on the CV. Yeah. You can say you've done it. Yeah, yeah sure. <laughs> but, 
booking, when, booking yeah, agent. Yeah, part time booking agent. Yeah, I, f- I feel like I, I talk about this with a lot of my guests. The this idea of when you're young and you're getting into music, you know, you kind of have this sense of like the real rock biopic moments in mm. like a band's trajectory, like where something will happen to the band, and you know, it will kind of be the oh, we've made it moment and you know it's just, it's a, it's a trite concept but i feel like every band to one extent or another has them in the back of their heads like for you guys whether it was you know getting to play a certain venue or play with a certain band or you go to a certain place or anything like that was there a moment like uh, along the years of this band where you know you kind of had that moment where it's just like oh you know this band has made it quote unquote i think two things come to mind for me the first one um, was when we got an email from Thursday's agent asking us to do a tour with them, oh, yeah. and that was especially at the time. That was the that first, was far and away the biggest thing we would have done. Like yeah, the wow. first band proper, that we admired, and yeah, listened to we liked them younger, a lot. and then the first, yeah, the first non DIY tour offer. Yeah, we ever had. that was big. That made it feel like okay, we can maybe do yeah. this. And then I think maybe the next one. Not not for everyone in the band, but for me, was when we got the first offer from Thrice because it was a band I really liked. Yeah. And it also felt like we were sort of, not a big jump, but it was a band that I wasn't sure we could cross over with them because yeah. they're a bit different. For me, there's never been like a industry thing that's happened yeah. that I was like, oh, I, mean, wow. I think about like... Uh, I think most of the moments like that for me were the ones that happened. The Thursday thing for sure, but like, I remember the first time we went to Europe, and I think we played the first few shows in France, and they were like, cool. Mm -hmm. And then when we got to Germany, and the first show we played was in Cologne, and I remember pulling up to the venue, and there being a line around the block, and being like, holy shit, like, Mm -hmm. this many people in Cologne, Germany, are here this early to a show we're playing. Yeah. And that was a real, like, yeah, like, you, you sort of have a measure of your reach and mm-hmm. mm-hmm. how people are responding when you're in a country, a yeah. non-English-speaking country in yeah. another continent, and people are lined up to see you play. It's pretty Even the first wild. Australian tour, yeah. that first show we played in Brisbane upstairs. Oh, yeah. We had no idea what to expect, and it was packed, and we were just like, what the fuck? This is wild. Yeah. That tour was wild, because it was like... We'd play a rehearsal space in yeah. North Wollongong, or we'd play a, yeah. an abandoned house in Huskisson, but we also played, like... Clubs. Some yeah. clubs Probably. where there was, like, 300 people mm-hmm. there, and I was like, what is going on? Yeah. It was truly something. Oh, goddamn. Something really... Something last night stood out to me, which was you guys were performing, and you sung a lyric, and then a guy stuck out his arm, mm. and you looked down, and he's... Yeah, that lyric tattoo. Yeah, the exact lyric <laughs> oh, really? that you were singing <laughs> at that awesome. exact moment, tattooed yeah. on him. What song was it? Uh, Woman in Mirror. Oh. Yeah. Which is fun. Yeah, it was... Tiny Dots. Tiny. Yeah, 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 that's it, that's it. So, like, I can imagine... That's that's not something you get accustomed to. Like, no. what, is it, what does it mean to, you know, be, you know, 15 years in and... and be able to come to all of these places and and have what you guys do as a band mean that much to people that they would like commit themselves to it. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it's wild. I don't. 
I think a lot of times we're incapable of really grasping it because it's yeah. like we all know how lame we all are. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's yeah. just weird. It reminds you that the band is so much bigger than us as individuals and it means a lot to a lot of people. So yeah, and we've all had those bands. Us. Yeah, yeah, and we've all had those bands in our lives too. So going from a place where you grow up having those connections with artists and then still having those connections into adulthood yeah. and everything mm-hmm. uh, so when you when you see people having that connection or you feel your own impact on those people's lives it's a really yeah. humbling yeah thing. it is it's humbling you don't ever sure. get used to hearing it or uh, seeing tattoos or yeah. getting letters or hearing people's stories yeah uh, but it really, uh, I don't know, it's encouraging and affirming. And even yeah. when you have a, a bad day or a bad show and I you was can just sit gonna down say on the front that. stage and talk to people and realize that it was cathartic for them in some way to see you play or to yeah. listen to your records, that's a really special thing. For sure, absolutely. Yeah, I think we've all gotten better at that. Instead of getting bummed if I didn't play a drum fill perfectly and just be like... I don't know. It's so much bigger than that. Like, yeah. Who cares? Yeah, totally. Well, as as we mentioned, you guys are the two that have kind of seen Light Dispute through the whole thing. You know, like people have come and gone, but you guys have been like the sole constant through the band's trajectory. And I'm, I'm curious as to what's kind of been the like the driving and the motivating force behind the two of you to kind of press on with this band after all this time you know like 15 years is a long time to be just doing the one band you know like yeah. people will you know bands can break up after like two albums in five years or something like that you know like yeah. it's, a, it's a lot more fickle these days whereas you know you guys have remained very very steadfast in, in terms of this band and do you feel like the motivations to continue to do it are, are the same as you know, at least similar as to what what they were when you guys were starting out? I would say they are, because we wouldn't be doing it anymore if it wasn't the case. Yeah. But I also think it it comes in waves, like, I think the last couple years has been a really positive blip in time for a lot of dispute. Yeah. There's also spots on that timeline that weren't so positive, but... I mean that's every band's story. Yeah. But yeah, I think different different things. I don't know. We we're getting older too, so you hope that as your life situation changes, you find ways to still be passionate about the art you make with your band or your friends. And, and again, like if it wasn't the case, none of us would be doing yeah. it anymore. So. Yeah. No, I think that, yeah, I mean, like, I think the desire to continue is complex, too. Like, it's not one thing and not another. It's, like, Mm -hmm. I think we still, I mean, we wouldn't keep doing it if we didn't all still love each other and enjoy each other's company. Like, we still, we still, you still have to have fun doing it, right? Yeah, Yeah, of course. I think that we all still get a lot out of how we operate together as a unit creatively mm-hmm. what it does for us on that level is super vital too like still love to make music still love to push each other and to learn more about ourselves in that respect yeah and like I don't know and I, and I do I don't think it's like the motivating factor but I, I do think that like the fact that 
we're also able to channel it into something good for not just ourselves, but for other people in our community is important. But yeah. So it's like, I think it's, it's multi-faceted. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> definitely, definitely. All right, guys, we'll wrap it up here. But before we do that, I ask this of all of my guests, and now it is your turn. I want to know about the best and the worst shows that you have ever played. <laughs> I could make a joke, but no. <laughs> no jokes. I know, no I know jokes. exactly what yeah. joke you're going to make. Honestly, that whole first Australian tour really stands out still to it this does, day. It does, yeah. And we're not just saying that because we're here. I think every time it comes up, it's like just a tour yeah. for everyone that sticks out. I yeah. think it's pretty... We've romanticized it a lot over yeah, the years, yeah, yeah. but it really was a pretty magical thing. Totally. It was so new in every way. Yeah, that one. Uh, I always, I always say this one, but there's a festival in Czech Republic called Fluff Fest. Right. And we, we headlined Fluff Fest on a tour with Touche Amore, and I remember playing in that open field as the sunset. Oh yeah, that to was like really three thousand cool. yeah. people. Huge. And it was really cool. It was. Worst shows. Put a show in Cass City, Michigan one time for yeah. one person who stood 30 feet away from the stage. Amazing. In the early years, there was a lot of bad shows. Yeah. A show a lot in, of bad we played a show in Jacksonville where I think that actively people tried not to clap after we played. Or they like tried to do like the, the cartoonish like pity laugh. Yeah. It's like we'd get done playing a song and you hear... And yeah, that was like, Fred Durst. Oh, it was just yeah, it was it was only Fred Durst. Who else lives in Jacksonville? Uh, it's only population one. <laughs> Sir Fred. Sir Fred Durst. Sir Fred Durst. <laughs> oh, goodness me. <laughs> the album is Panorama. It is out now. It will be out still by the time that you hear this. Jordan, Brad, thank you both so, so much for your time today. It is massively, massively appreciated. So thank glad you. we got to do this. You're welcome. Thanks for doing it. I'm David James Young, and all my friends and bug bats.